Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. It's been just under eight months since Mickey Mouse used his size 22 yellow cartoon shoes to kick Bob Chappick in the ass and those big old white mitts to toss him to the curb before gently reinstalling Bob Iger as the CEO of Disney. At the time, there was much celebrating, rejoicing, and copious changes and a distinct lack of bad press from the top of the Magic Kingdom food chain. Well, that's changed a bit in the last few weeks as the good Bob has managed to trip over his Donald Duck a couple of times now and is scrambling to undo some of his own negative reactions. And we're going to dive into all of it and more in this episode 136 Why'd you have to fuck with the magic, Bob? I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who was permanently banned from Disneyland Paris due to an incident which will remain sealed until 2045 to protect national security. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and loves himself a good dough whip. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. And yes, that will remain sealed for all perpetuity or until some, you know, Kennedy, you know, fifth generation Kennedy. The uh, you know demands it. I did not assault that animatronic in, <laughs> in the hall of presidents. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, that was dead on, man. Well done. <laughs> that well that done. was more Bill Clinton. Now, back in the day, it would have been have a little more energy. But yeah. I'm drinking um, a Wild Turkey 101 out of a empty Starbucks cup right now. So. Uncle Todd's Woo! slumming it. Uncle Todd is slumming oh, it, Oh, no, I'm living the high life, baby. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, it's good times. Good times here at H. At Patrick. Oh, Patrick. Oh, gosh, I get to see this on video now. Wow. <laughs> Patrick, oh, put the fire extinguisher down. Oh, good Lord. Put it down. It's not charged anyways. Did you light anything on fire? Didn't he use it to like propel himself in the rolling chair or something like that? He did. He got your idea about a scooter, except he couldn't afford the motorized <laughs> one. So he had like one of those little hands. <laughs> oh, good God. Put the put the put it down. Go back to your closet. It's been a number of episodes since we've had a Patrick uh, discussion. Very nice. Yeah, nice. it was it was bliss, wasn't it? It was. It was. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well, sir. That is that is good to hear. Right. Um, right. We had a we had a very nice discussion about blue cheese crusted steaks before the, the show started. Uh, so did. it's good to know that you're living your bougie lifestyle while I'm here drinking cheap bourbon out of a That's empty right. Starbucks cup. This 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 weekend is my birthday, and I'm going to uh, celebrate appropriately. So, of course you will. Of course you will. I will. More have bread. More dev- steak for my people. 
no, no, no bread. Just, just deviled eggs. Deviled eggs. I just, I just imagine you waking up on your birthday going, white pass. <laughs> just reliving the whole like first 20 minutes of, of coming to America. Do you have sex with your bathers? I do. <laughs> oh, oh my. Oh what are my. we? Four and a half minutes in here. We're already off the rails. Good. Oh, good. Yes. Oh, yes. All right. Well, Absolutely. ladies and gentlemen, uh, well, I, and to answer the, un- the uh, unasked questions, I'm doing fine as well. Oh, I figured I asked that already. Apparently I didn't. How are you, sir? I, I'm doing all right. Uh, as usual, good. my my schedule is is still a dumpster fire. <laughs> still a dumpster uh, fire. <laughs> thus, the bourbon out of a out of the empty venti iced coffee cup. But uh, you know, nice. life's good. Life's nice. good. It's hey, great. I, I know this might be considered a weak and geek item, but given your propensity and your your skill at mm. uh, bringing to life. Uh, mm. Dusty Roads. Uh, this Monday on Raw, I caught a uh, uh, a Cody Rhodes promo oh. where he invoked two words. Hot two time. words at Uncle Ton. Uh, Uncle Tom. Uncle Ton. Ton. Like uh, am I a Tonton now? Like what? Yeah, the you are a Tonton. <laughs> uh, Tim's dreaming of the day he can cut me open and use me for warmth. <laughs> Although he is right, I do smell worse on the inside than the outside. Uh, my wife will attest to that. Uh, but yes, especially he, he after invoked... a, a night of five guys, she's like, "Oh dear God, what is that smell? It's like a squirrel crawled up inside of you, died." You know what that is? That's hard times, baby. That's hard times, right there. That's hard but, times. But he did. He 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 invoked the hard times phrase, and uh, mm-hmm. w- wasn't quite the same. I I, I got to admit. Well, admit. the thing is, you got to be Dusted Rhodes. And the thing is, with, with with Cody Rhodes, I know he's been through some hard times, but it's not the same hard times. Because Dusted Rhodes, the American dream Dusted Rhodes, has, has been to the mountaintop. He's been to the valley. He's dined with kings and queens. He has slept in alleyway. He has dined on pork and beans. It's hard times for the American dream. Hard time for the plumber's son from Austin, Texas. Yes. Thank you for that yeah that was it, a sight to behold sir Very, well, well let me done. let me tell you if you if you're not following no context dusty on instagram mm. you need to get that joy into your life ladies and oh, gentlemen yeah. oh yeah. my goodness is that like, a great account i i absolutely love some, some some of the uh you know scenario setups it's like you know, oh, it's great <laughs> coming home from a bar and it's like oh it's hot times or whatever it was but oh my gosh just just such great stuff such oh, great yeah. stuff like that <laughs> and, and rick flair as well I, I think they do another one with rick flair which is which oh, is hysterical course. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much of those guys. But the thing is, like, you got to admire, like, the fact. I, I go back to this man, Dusty Rhodes. I don't look like the average athlete. No, you mm-hmm. don't, Dusty. No. no, like the only part, the only athlete I can think of that comes close. The only two I can think of that comes close to you, uh, three, uh, John Cruck, mm-hmm. CC Sabathia, and mm-hmm. who was the other guy? Um, he pitched. He ended up pitching for the Yankees. I think he pitched for the the Indians at one point. Um, You're thinking about El Guapo? No. Well, El Guapo's one, but not quite as well known. There was another. Yeah. There was another pitcher who was just one of those guys. Where you're like, uh, wasn't it Carlos Colon? 
Oh, uh, yeah, I think it might have been Cologne, yeah. Who always looked like if you just, if you cut him, he would bleed like cheesecake. You know, like, <laughs> these, these people who you're like, that is not a professional athlete. Yeah. That was Dusty yeah. Rhodes, and that was the thing that was brilliant. Like, here's a dude who's, he, he is he is not an athlete looking yep. sort, of, sort of dude, and he talks in a, weird, in a way that you're like, that's not what I was expecting. Never mind yep. the lisp, just the funkiness. Of, yes. of how he spoke and everything that was just like it made you do a double take it and was the great charisma, the charisma oh, this God. man had which just, which will lead into a week in geek guide and we will talk mm-hmm. about about another man who has who is who is oozing with 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 the charisma right now yeah let me talk to you so but, all right well uh, speaking of since that was such a nice segue well, let's I, get into this little try. thing called the week in geek the week Feels so funky. What do you got for us this episode, sir? Oh, we have a full lineup, my friend. Full plate. We, we do. We've got. We have got a, a, a full feast for our listeners. We do. We got Star Trek. We got BSG. We got Star Wars: The Old Republic. We oh. got a little bit of Marvel. We got some wrestling in there, and oh. Uncle Todd has promised us a little. Cheeky tweet of the week, so looking forward to that. Uh, Lord, I, I need a cigarette already. I feel like I just I. I <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you have to settle for the for the wild turkey, I suppose. I've peaked. Oh my god! All right. <laughs> First item uh, comes way by way of denofgeek.com. Uh, this was an mm. article from uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Star Trek Picard movie gets a disappointing update. Apparently, didn't realize this. There, there was rumors of a movie that they wanted to do with the Star Trek, uh, you know, Picard uh, franchise, mm. and uh, coming hot off the presses of a phenomenal season three that we have gone mm. through and dissected uh, right here on the Free Range EDC program. Uh, Go back and check out that episode, people. Yeah, I think it was only a few episodes ago. I think it was before the big, uh, big hiatus we went on. We 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 had our our, our Picard, uh, and by, hiatus, by big yes. hiatus we mean about three weeks. So, so something like that. Something like uh, that. So so what uh, was the big start with this? Like they they suddenly realized that Patrick Stewart is like 115 years old, and and thought, oh wait. Uh, I, 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 you know, basically this article, uh, you know, Patrick Stewart talks about, you know, I, I think we could do a movie, a Picard based movie um, now, not necessarily at, at all about Picard, but about all of us and to take many of those wonderful elements, particularly from season three of Picard and take out of that what I think could be an extraordinary movie um, goes on to say, uh, yeah, fans would agree. Um, but let's see. Sorry, uh, things. Uh, it's nice to be to have a Picard movie requires Paramount to make Trek fans happy, and that doesn't seem to be their business model at the moment. So uh, let me go back. Say what? Um, hold what? on. No, I'm, I'm just reading parts of the out of the article here. Uh, lead to more. Hold on for full two I love seasons. it when you live scan the article. Like It makes me feel so much better about my lack of show prep. I just wanted well, to let you know, you know that. Um, and it's totally on brand for us. Terry Metalis has been open on social media about calling for a continuation called Star Trek Legacy, right? Which would follow, you know, Captain Seven of Nine and the Enterprise G. Totally um, on board for that. But Patrick Stewart has even bigger plans, calling for a fifth next generation movie based on Picard. After oh. initial reluctance to reteam uh, with his former cast, Stewart has embraced the idea. But I think I'm trying to find where someone says they're not going to do it, though. Um, producers told me. Uh, yeah, I 
I'm not really seeing who's saying no, but it just sounds like Paramount just doesn't want to do it. I can't say I disagree. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I, I don't I, I don't disagree with the idea. And we talked about this in our in our episode when we went through uh, season three and the finale, which is, you know, that was just lightning in a bottle. And 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 this is what drives me nuts about the freaking entertainment industry is like they strike gold with something that you know, resonates. And, and of course this, this was nostalgia. This, this was not a brand oh, new totally. or yeah. amazing, you know, creative thing they did for, for season three of Picard, but it gave TNG fans, you know, some, something, you know, like, like a revisit with the old crew, with the old ship, you know, once again, saving the universe or as, as, uh, uh, as, uh, William Shatner would say in, in Star Trek six, once again, we've saved humanity as we know it. Um, <laughs> And Didn't they uh, actually make <laughs> in there somewhere about about how many times they've saved the galaxy or something like that. Wasn't there a line in there? There was. I think in the early part of season three, the uh, yeah. the sarcastic captain of of what be what it what became the Enterprise G, yeah, um, was was talking about like all the various ways that they've saved the galaxy. But, I'm so you know. sorry that that guy didn't make it, but yet at the I same know. time, it made sense story wise. Like I really yeah. thought that guy was yeah. going to going to make it out of there and then i'm like oh crap he's a yeah. he's a glorified red shirt everyone's yeah. fair game yeah. yeah they did that really well but uh but yeah i i, I just don't see you know and I, I i don't see the value in doing it i think this was a mm-hmm. one and done sort of thing um it worked so well because they hit notes that they, they they pulled on loose threads from the original tng series you know bringing back rolar laren um, you, you know, bringing in, um, very, you know, different characters. Like, uh, I mean, I know she was on just for a moment, but you know, you know, the, like I think the Admiral, when they were trying to do the big, you know, fleet all synchronized thing, you know, she, she was yeah. a character, uh, from, from the series as well. And as well as, you know, other, other characters we saw, they, they just hit on the right, you know, kind of beats and notes that, you know, resonated with fans and it wasn't cheap nostalgia. It was done with some meaning to it. So I just don't see the point in doing a movie because I don't think a movie is going to resonate the same way. They're they're, they're not going to, you know, you're not going to go back to that well of 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 those loose story threads that you could close out from the original series because you've done it already. You know, yeah. the the Borg are gone now. The you, you, the the crew's back together. He's reunited with his son. Let it be. Like there's no story yeah. left to tell really at this point. Just let it be or tell a story of his passing or something like that. But even still, I don't need to see that. Season three yeah. was a wonderful goodbye to that group. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Like I will disagree with you slightly. It was cheap nostalgia. And But the, here's the thing. We, we have become... We have become, I, I think as fans, a little too sophisticated. You know, we become a little too full of ourselves, a little bit like Boston sports fans became a little full of themselves after, you know, the Patriots won, the Red Sox won. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, nothing will settle. But but for our championship, like, I mean, just calms down. Like, there's nothing wrong with cheap nostalgia. You know what's good on a summer afternoon? A Mm -hmm. hot dog. You know what Mm -hmm. hot dog is good? Any hot dog, as long as you're in the right place. You know, if you're at a ballpark and it's a cheap whatever hot dog, it can be the best hot dog ever. If it's a great afternoon watching a good game and you got a cold beer with it, you know, I I, I think back to like going to hockey games with my dad and and like the 
I remember specifically getting a hot dog at like every single game and it came in like the little tinfoil sleeve and it was mm-hmm. probably the dirt cheapest hot dog and hot dog bun that money could buy because they're trying to scrape every cent they can out of a minor league hockey game concession stand. Yeah, I still have memories of that cheap mm-hmm. nostalgia. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing mm. wrong with having a, a, a cheap thrill or whatever uh, out of like <gasps> like the Enterprise D being there and seeing it with the lights on it for the first time. Nothing wrong with that. Just no. get over yourself. You know, it's it's OK. It But it can't be the whole thing. There has to be depth around it. And that's what made Picard season three so good is they managed yep. it. the thing that they miss so badly in season two. They managed to do in season three. It's the reason why I'm glad they're not doing a, a, a card movie because one, I just, I, I feel bad saying this. I like Patrick Stewart. I, I think he's a great actor. I think he's earned the right to do whatever he wants to do. I just really hmm. hope he doesn't do any more Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah. I think this is a great exit. Yeah. I think there's a point where you have to acknowledge that you cannot keep up with a fast paced story. And even amongst other middle-aged actors, you can't hide the fact that Stewart is not middle, late middle-aged. He's old. He just is. I want to see Patrick Stewart do a bunch of dramatic movies that are like slow moving, methodical character studies. I think it would be fracking amazing. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see Patrick Stewart do Picard. I want to see Star Trek no. Legacy. I want to see Captain Seven of Nine with with uh, what's his face Crusher, Jack Crusher, mm-hmm. and and the rest of the crew weaving in in there. And and you know what? If you want to throw me some Picard cameos in there, a okay. Please yeah. do not give me him as a main character. We we managed to write this ship and send it off into the sunset. Well, yeah. Please, and, dear God, no more. And- Given his age, too, I mean, it, it's not a character like and quite honestly, like season one and two were, I think, reflections of of this point I'm about to make, which is, you know, I, he's not a character that I think people really want to see a lot of new ground broken with. Like, they, they, mm-hmm. like they tried doing that in those first two seasons and some of it, you know, I think season one was a bit stronger than two. Um, oh, but season two with with at least with the interaction with him and Q started to touch on the thing that I think a lot of fans wanted to see, which was the nostalgia, which was to bring, mm-hmm. you know, the characters back together in, in, in meaningful ways um, to tie up stories that, that were left, you know, um, basically open. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I think that, you know, he, he's not to your point, I'd rather see, you know, this new crew of the enterprise G and try to do something with them that's never been, you know, and it's a challenging thing to do something that's never been done with the franchise before. They've done a lot of different things. They've, they've explored a lot of ground. They've covered a lot of different areas, even went to a place in this season three that, you know, in some ways cribbed, you know, the, the entire, you know, uh, pilot of, of BSG, which, you know, have, having, having all the ships network together and, and having this massive takeover and, and downfall of humanity. So I, yeah, I I think let's focus on the future. Um, I, I think they did a nice thing bringing him back and giving, you know, him and the old crew a nice send off, especially on this season three. And uh, let's be done with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, you got your redo for Nemesis. Yep. Move on. Yeah. I would I would gladly watch the Enterprise G adventures with, you know, Captain Seven of Nine, yep. Jack Crusher, and then the occasional cameos with with Jordy and Worf mm-hmm. and and all the rest. I'm yep. I'm down for that. I think yep. they got the tone right, and if they continued off of that, they'd be fine. 
And, and I did find in the article, of course, it was the one paragraph I didn't scan through very carefully, but uh, the the <laughs> denial of such a thing, uh, Stuart uh, basically admits he's been shopping it around, um, the idea around to the studio. The studio does not seem to be very eager, and I think we've... We've we've dove in enough on on that topic. So, yeah. uh, adieu, mon capitaine. Yeah, Stuart, Pat, uh, Sir Patrick. Uh, pardon me. Uh, love you, man. Just it's it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. All right. Um, our next. Oops, have these out of order. I think our next one is yes. Uh, next one is a little bit of of geekery from um, the man they call Tim. Uh, this comes uh, by way of uh, a site called uh, Swotorista.com. It's it's basically Swotor. S W T O R is the uh, acronym for Star Wars: The Old Republic. It's a video game uh. that I have talked about. Uh, and this uh, this site, amongst others, um, back in the end of June. Uh, putting out some news that Star Wars The Old Republic is moving from the game studio BioWare, who has been doing development with it over the last, I think, uh, 10, to f- 10 to 12 years. This, this game has been around for a long time. Um, they're handing it over to a studio called Broadsword. Uh, a lot of the core uh, team apparently is moving over with them. Um, uh, there, back in June, there was there was much consternation over this. A lot of the community that's still playing that game, myself included, uh, was wondering if th- this was the beginning of the end, if they were going to start uh, shutting her down, um, giving us the old, uh, you, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here routine. Hey, you got um, it. I, I got it. Um, Someone hasn't been out for last call for a long time. I'm your Huckleberry. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, game uh, development will continue on the game. Um, it sounds like they are going to uh, bring um, some more updates. Uh, they have uh, their 7.4 update called Old Wounds. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a new story uh, that players can play through. Uh, I think they're going to continue to um, move forward with those types of updates, as well as uh, there, there was a bit about uh, being made about moving the game to the cloud, which apparently is it's not, which is surprising to me because I, I thought they were in the cloud. Um, I, I thought and, everything was in the cloud. Uh, some of these games, it's a, it, especially if you started it before you know uh, the cloud was a thing. It, it, it's a bit of a difficult migration when you have to move you know stuff that's working in a particular way over to that. So oh, I imagine. Uh, it is, uh, yeah. Well, just so, look at what's going, been going on with Twitter. Like all the stuff there, it's like oh, I, yeah. I think I saw that meme that was like, you know, every every tech company is like one employee who has who does that one thing every month that yeah. nobody else knows to do or knows how to do, and yeah. that person gets fired, and the entire company is going to go down the crapper. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yep, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. You know, Bioware did an amazing job with the game. Um, you know, so, some of the comments too I've read is that maybe under a new studio there'll be a hunger to really put out. You know, I think the last couple updates were, were met with kind of a tepid response from the fans who are still playing. Um, and so maybe in a different studio they'll they'll go back to you know maybe creating some deeper stories. Uh, I myself, uh, one of the characters I have in the game, actually um, they have a couple uh, extra modules. Once you go through like the story mode for the character, like I have a smuggler character. Once you finish that, you can actually progress into another set of stories. Uh, and and it's it's actually really well done. It's like very cinematic. Um, li- it's a little different in that it's not as open world because your, your character is really kind of directed through the story as opposed to you mm. kind of picking where you want to go and that sort of thing. But 
but overall, it's been an absolute pleasure to play, and uh, and and it's just kind of the natural. They they for for a while, from I think 2010 on, they would drop every couple of years a new update where uh, you, you would have this level of story that was being delivered to you as the fan. Got to play a little bit more content, um, just made it interesting, and so um, so yeah. So I'm I'm excited to see what Broadsword does, and uh, if you haven't played Star Wars: The Old Republic, definitely check it out. It it is it is a lot of fun, um, a lot of open. Uh, a lot of open stuff that you can do there. So, what are you looking off camera at? Do you have like a fruit bet that's coming for you? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, once again, the the man they call Tim broadcasting from the Blair Witch Suite uh, with one naked twenty inch twenty watt bulb. That's right. In the corner, that's right. And only the screens illuminating him. It's Absolutely. a. It's, oh, there we go. And now he's shut off. He's brought, brought the dark, uh, the the brightness down. Well, it's because I'm on a a dark dark screen so uh so So the funny thing i think is is interesting is how long this game has been around and Mm -hmm. and the fact that like i how many star wars games have come and gone between this because i know you were very entered into uh squadrons you were very hot and heavy as well as jimmy dice was very uh friend of the show jimmy dice from scruffy podcasters was very into squadrons and i have heard Mm -hmm. nary a word about squadrons but yet this has stood the test of time yeah. over like 10, 12 years. That's that's in, that's like so. I mean, just for instance, uh, let me uh, let me just get to a menu here. So, I mean, for instance, like my Mac mm. that I'm recording on right now is a two 2014 late 2014 iMac, which I mean, is an insane life yeah. for a computer. Yeah. But similar for a game, how a game can go this long and still be viable and still be playable and, and have this fan base. Like, mm-hmm. is it, is it real? I mean, it, it must be that good, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It is. I mean, I, I, I really enjoy it. And I think what makes it fun is it is, it's just, it, it has kind of an open world concept. It's not open. I'm forgetting the star Wars game. We talked about a couple episodes ago, but um, yeah, I was trying to recall that as well. That, that one, um, I think it was called star war. Oh, yeah. I'll never mind. Um, I think the difference there is the interactability, um, not just on planet, but even up in space too. Like if you choose to go and engage ships, like you can basically create, you know, kind of a thread, you know, just by doing something that's just completely on a whim on your own. Um, this one is open world too, but it's, it is, you know, it does have limits. It, 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 it isn't like truly open, open, but, but it's much, much more open than a more, you know, kind of direct story, you know, that's being told. Um, yeah. Whereas squadrons is more of a, it it's almost a story like flight mode. simulator sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's a flight simulator, but you have a story mode you go through, but once you finish that story mode, then really all you have is the, 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 you know, kind of online community gameplay where you mm. either go into a cooperative battle, um, with others. And, and I think what, what happened there is as with all games, you just have people who figure out the little quirks with the game and just dominate and it yeah. just becomes not fun to play anymore. So, yeah. um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I also needed to get I think a better controller to play it too. I, I, I got a little bit better at it once I started using an Xbox controller with it because you can use the joysticks for a little more, um, mm. you know, uh, kind of natural like flight control. But, yeah. um, but, but when I got to the, the old Republic, it was just, I, I was just immersed in it. And part of, you know, the, the attraction of it too, is that they do an amazing job 
with the visuals of these worlds. Like like when I'm playing, especially this this new module I'm playing, which to to be clear is not new. This this was a module I think like the story mode and the things that I've gotten through were were kind of what came with the game. This I think was a module that was um published i think in 2012 or 2014 and then there's one more after it that i think was probably 2016 or 2017 so but but the 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 amount of detail they they put into all of these settings is just incredible i mean it's just Mm -hmm. like for me as a fan it's just a it's a great way to just kind of feel like you're forging some new story in this universe Mm -hmm. and it just really just immerses you in it and and it's a lot of fun at the end of the day it's a run around and shoot 'em up sort of game you know i mean like you're, you're going around slashing or shooting depending on what your character is but you know they they have enough like you know characters and decisions you can make with these characters to do certain things and mm-hmm. you know follow certain paths and stuff like that so it's 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 fun that way you know it, it gives you a sense of independence and autonomy even though it is somewhat controlled so yeah and just so you know uh star wars outlaws, was outlaws the, yes yeah i was gonna Which say looked, smugglers but i knew that was wrong so yeah it was fracking amazing unfortunately yeah. i'm i'm gonna guess i i also will be disqualified because i'm using a mac um, from doing and and the anything. thing is uh, the the thing with Max too is I think they do have Max that you can do gaming on but you got to get but they're like the really expensive ones whereas you, you can probably find a reasonable gaming PC that is powered enough to do like games like this well some know, of for, them don't even like they a like, grand or fifteen hundred well a Mac doesn't even qualify like yeah. it's just the operating yeah. system so you almost have to have like you have to uh you know again i'm if brenda moore was here he could tell me exactly how to do this because mm-hmm. it'd be like oh well you just you know uh bisect your hard drive and then this over here you run it as a <laughs> pc and you know this i'm like i lost you at you have to yeah you know i'm just i'm not i'm not that savvy i just yeah. know that i buy Macs and i buy them with enough specs that i don't have to update them for like eight to ten years when i got into eve online i all i had was my um my macbook like laptop and it was a macbook air and mm-hmm. and, it, and it wasn't tricked out and when and it registered playing, about 150 degrees when you started like when, it's when burned I, my thighs when i started the game right away <laughs> You know, the fans were starting. I'm like, man, am I going to melt this thing down? I mean, it was the just fans like, that you holy. never hear on a Mac unless yeah. you're all of a sudden you're pushing it and then you hear yeah. the fans like, oh, boy. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, Mac's not not the way to go. So. So anyway, some some interesting uh, things afoot for the Star Wars Old Republic game. I'm excited to see uh, what they do next. All do right. It. Moving on uh, from Star Wars to BSG, I came across this article last week. It was kind of an interesting little tidbit. I know. Um, I saw this. I was very excited. I specifically did not read this item because I wanted to be kind of like, ah, sort of moment here. And so really um, the thrust of the article had to do with, you know, Ronald D. Moore's original intention to have the show focus on various ships within the colonial fleet that and have these ships you know that serve different purposes so you have like hospital ships prison ships schools mm-hmm. you know like i i think I'm, I'm forgetting the the large ship um in season one where it, it was almost like they were on earth um do you remember that one it was this massive one 
I don't remember. I don't even know if they gave the name for that, but yeah, it was the one that had all like the the biodomes yeah. bio on. Right, right. I can't remember if they even gave a name for that. They might have, but it got nuked pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, and and so they, um, you know, I, I think his intention was to tell stories on each of these ships and and to kind of mm-hmm. you know break things up and make it you know a little make it feel like you're kind of jumping around to different areas and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then they got to episode three Bastille day, which was really kind of the first foray into doing this with Richard Hatch as Tom Zarek on the prison uh, ship, which was that. named the astral queen, which is like the most <laughs> tragic name you can ever imagine for a prison ship. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Which gosh. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that myself. Ron Moore himself on the commentary said that. Yes. Just, yes. To, just to be clear. It was, it was uh, either Ron Moore or his production partner. I can't remember uh, if it yeah. was him or not. But anyways, yeah. But what ended up happening was um, this type of a show exposed um, to to them the budgetary limits that they were going to run into if they were going yeah. to try to do, you know, this the, all of these different sets um, for all these different ships. And so it really... Um, when they did that episode, it became very clear that it was going to be prohibitively expensive to, to take this tack. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, they shifted gears to center it more um, on, on, you know, the, the Galactica itself, um, the Cylon ship, and then, you know, just a few other, you know, small ones um, here and there, which is what we saw. So, mm-hmm. so anyways, it was just kind of an interesting, um, uh, you know, little minutia that, that I came across where you know, the original intent of BSG was, was, and, and I think it's an interesting concept because it's something that Star Trek hasn't really explored either, which is to kind of tell stories across different ships within a fleet, you know, as, as a, as a way of kind of binding the narrative together and, and moving the story along. It's no different than if you're on a planet and you're in California versus, you know, New Hampshire versus, you know, Washington, D.C. or something like that. So so I thought that was really just kind of an interesting little bit of trivia there. So, yeah. And the thing is, I, I get so there's a there's a tension, right? There's a tension between the the folks who have like the blue sky. Oh, my gosh, this is mm. the greatest idea. And it's it, and it's a little bit like to, to drag it back to wrestling, which I mean, our fans just love so much. And the reason why my my. Yeah. My wife doesn't listen to this show because we talk about wrestling. Um, hi, honey. Uh, on the off chance that you are listening. Uh, but the, uh, you know, like when Triple H talked about Bray Wyatt, you know, like he he is so creative and he's out there and he's doing this and then yeah. the other. And you just have to you have to whittle him down to the ideas. Mm-hmm. So you have the blue sky thinkers. You're like, oh, this would be great. And this and that. Then you have the other people like, hey, guess what? We have this thing called a budget. <laughs> And the folks who run that are accountants and they love math. This is a thing called money. (laughs) Yeah. And they don't have the same tolerance for Mm. overruns. Yeah. And and so from a, a writing perspective, I get it. It's also the reason why when you see a lot of like book adaptations, people are like, oh, it's nothing like the book. Well, yes because there's budgetary considerations you can only mm-hmm. shoot in so many places and you have to think about like how how can we reuse these sets and this and that and the other so i get it and and i totally understand the reason why and it's the and and the reason why star trek hasn't done it is this is a same reason but it's also a a narrative reason and here i think they actually might have backed into mm. what actually 
wound up being one of the high points of the show. It was like, well, it's called Battlestar Galactica. It's one of the reasons why this whole idea of like a spinoff doesn't work because, well, it's called Battlestar Galactica. If we're not dealing with the Galactica, which is a Battlestar, who the frat cares? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not Battlestar Galactica. The same as Star Trek is almost synonymous now with the Enterprise. Yeah, uh, BS. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, DS9 and uh, Voyager excluded, but it is it is exclusively dealing with the crew of one ship because we we want to get to know those those characters, and when you're starting to hop around, it becomes much harder to really feel a connection to those characters, mm-hmm. um, and so I th- I think in a way it's a great idea, you know, and as as someone who writes and who 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 wants to be like that, oh yeah, let's do this and this, this, this it sounds great. But I'm also so thankful people like who are like, you know, uh, all right, come back to reality. You're you're yeah. a balloon that's floating off into the stratosphere. Allow me to tether you to reality. Um, yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. And, and I think it worked out because that also exposed a little bit of the the shortcomings of that, because you also realize like, oh, so the the sharpshooter that we have is also the ace fire fighter pilot. You know, and, yep. and we're still trying yep. to shoehorn these same characters because we've already got a ginormous cast. Yeah. We need yep. to make sure that it's the same characters involved. Like, oh, this is going to be a problem. Yeah. Like, because we're yeah. always going to have to involve Starbuck. We're always going to have to involve Apollo. So everything that happens on these other ships is going to have to involve these characters. Yeah. We might as well just focus on Galactica. And yep. then when we go to other ships... All right, then they'll then you can plausibly say like, okay, well then these characters are caught in there. But if it's every single episode that you're going to a different ship, and all of a sudden, well, Apollo's there. Well, gee, what a fracking coincidence that is. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I get it, and you know, good idea, but yeah, probably for the best. And the biodome ship was called Cloud Nine. Yes. Cloud oh Nine. my gosh, you're right. They mentioned that it was in the article. It's not like it, it came to me like in some glimmer of of. Uh, Great thought. But um, yeah, Colonial One, Cloud Nine, Battlestar Pegasus uh, were, were kind of the ones. But, you know, the, like they, they were still able to achieve what they wanted to set out to do because they just, you know, you, you, they use the Galactica in, mm-hmm. in different ways to tell those stories, whether it be about education, whether it be about yep. medicine and what they were struggling with. Um, I think in season three or four, there's a, an episode called Dog. Is it called Dogtown? I think where it's like there, yeah. there's almost like a, a little. Well, no, that was the, that was the woman king. Oh, the woman king. Thank you. Yeah. But 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 basically a village kind of got built yeah. into one of the I think it was the old um, launch well, bay or something. Like yeah. That. Don't forget uh, Baltar's cult room slash yes. love harem. You know, yes. I mean, it, it, yeah. The so they, they managed to. Shack. Yeah. Though, hard though, times. Hard <laughs> times and Baltar's love harem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're living up there. You ain't got no supplies, but you got a you got a guy who there who is it? He, he got the charisma. You know, he's got that thing that just it drives him. Whoo, it just drives him all crazy. <laughs> Getting oh funky gosh. up in here. Oh, my gosh. You oh, hang on like a second. A... Yeah. Oh, dear. This is a theme song for Baltar's Love Harem. Looking in the in the window of my office. <laughs> anyway, doing it ten o'clock at night. All What's right, going hey. on over there? It's hard oh, times, baby. Hard right. times. Uh, and and I I didn't give credit when we started on this one, but ScreenRant.com was the uh, uh, site that that gave us this wonderful bit of 
trivia around eggs. Uh, next one we have, um, and we are wrapping up shortly here, folks. But uh, no, we're hit, not. Haley Atwell uh, as Captain Carter. Um, this is, comes from <laughs> whoops. This comes from JoeBlow.com. <laughs> Or maybe I should say Jablo. Um, well, <laughs> Jablo. Uh, man, there's so many comments I have right now, and I'm exercising so much restraint right now. God bless you. Thank uh, you. Basically, just uh, article is is her talking about her time playing Captain Carter and the difference between, you know, what she felt and, and how she felt doing it um, as a voice actor uh, voicing Captain Carter in What If uh, versus... Um, her role in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, where uh, we, we had Captain Carter a, as a cameo, um, but she was, shall we say, cut down in her prime. So, <laughs> Well, everybody was. Well, that's true. That's Nary true. one of them made it out of that alive. Uh, Black Bolt wasn't cut down. He, he just <laughs> said too much. <laughs> Blew got out the like back a, of his head. Got like oh, a fart and a wink on, on screen time. Like, my bam. goodness. All right. Um, and who and who was Black Bolt? Uh what what is his name? Um Anson Mount, who is Anson, now the thank you. Thank who you. Is Captain Pike from uh, Str- yep. uh Strange New Worlds. And I don't have this in the Weekend Geek, but I did see an article where he would like to play Black Bolt again in the MCU, but who wouldn't? So I um, but that was pretty much the extent of it. Um, this this article coming out as uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One is in theaters. So um, she she was just kind of talking about how it's a, it it was a bit frustrating moment for her. She was hoping to do a little bit more with the character, um, and and uh, just but just said she enjoys playing it and and it is and as fans it's fun to see kind of a different take on the Captain America you know, character, uh, through, through the multiverse. Um, unfortunately, uh, she, she met her end quickly and, uh, swiftly. Uh, yeah. so thoughts on, on, on her thoughts on her thoughts from com. Yeah. I mean, everybody would, you know, love to have more meat on the bone when it comes to a cameo, but that's a yeah. cameo. Yeah. And, 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 you know, at the very least, like, this is not the main universe Captain Carter that's getting taken out. There's many other Captain Carters. You know, it's, it's just the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving right along from uh, Marvel into the world of professional wrestling. Uh, yeah. We have a little bit of an item to discuss over the last two weeks. A little bit of uh, heat, to, to, to use the wrestling terminology. Uh, but, uh, Kevin Nash on his, uh, podcast, click this, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, seeing LA Knight for the first time and commenting on how he, he seems like he's a ripoff of stone cold and the rock. And that caused a, a, a maelstrom of, of reaction from fans who thought he was overreacting or, 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 you know, not, not understanding the character what? enough or not, you know, or, or, or not watching enough of the show, um, <laughs> At one point, Nash has a follow-up to that. Now, again, these are clips that I'm finding on YouTube of his show. I don't listen to the entire show. But there, there's a clip uh, a few days later where he talks about watching Raw, and he's like, I didn't see him come out. And someone in the comments wrote something like, um, Mr. Nash, LA Knight's on SmackDown. You may want to watch that show if you're looking to. <laughs> what? So, <laughs> so I, I ask you, sir, uh, and, oh, and, and, and to be fair, to, to be balanced in this, um, actually last night 
uh, there was another clip from his show where they were talking about him again. Uh, Nash has since gone back, watched more of the body of work uh, of of the the man playing L.A. Knight, going back to his indies, uh, in, like indie run and uh, his time on Impact as Eli Drake, and uh, had very positive things to say about him. So, so I, th- I think what was really uh, unfortunate and and to, to give context, L.A. Knight um, has been doing or has been in the wrestling business for close to twenty years. Spent a lot of time on the independents. Um, had a had a pretty successful run in uh, TNA Impact. Um, yeah. As, as, as a uh, big big player winning their world championship and 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 really even then shining big time and and when I saw him my thoughts were if this guy gets a WWE he's going to be huge because he just has there's something as he calls it he's got the Kavorka and so uh yeah that's right uh let me talk to you and so uh I, I ask you sir thoughts on him being a ripoff of Stone Cold and The Rock do, do you see it do you see as an influence is it more of a homage or is, is this just you know he's just got charisma and he's just kind of hitting some notes and it's resonating because this guy as you and i said but in the pre-show he is getting pops that we haven't seen since the attitude era and it's pretty interesting all right first of all i i want to do i i i you know i i do a lot of impressions on this show um and and probably badly and i apologize for all of those and, and not really uh but here's my impression of of kevin nash Oh, good God. Oh, my gosh. Seriously, dude. Like, oh, I, I didn't see a whole lot. I'm going to talk about. Shut up, you old bastard. Oh, All right. Dear. Just just, you know, my Uncle time Todd is over. I, I I was never that compelling on promos uh, and, and never got the pops that this guy got. So just just simmer down, simmer down. Um, without, without having, you know, oh, oh, well, I went back and I watched some more and now I've changed my Mm -hmm. mind. No, you, 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 you essentially just threw out an opinion and thought it would be, it would fly and you, you misread the room. Okay. That's what it was. Um, and granted, I mean, Kevin Nash has done more in, in any industry than I have, but whatever, uh, it still doesn't change the fact that he talked out his ass when it came to this, um, as far as L.A. Knight, everything is an homage. Everything is ripped off. There is no, you know, Arthur Conan Doyle said it best when he had Sherlock Holmes say there's nothing new under the sun. It, mm-hmm. It's all been a retread and a redo. I mean, good Lord. Hulk Hogan ripped off from superstar Billy Graham. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this guy ripped off from this guy and this guy ripped off from that guy. And, you know, it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think you that we have to acknowledge here is that how tough it is for a wrestler to get over Mm. in this day and age. Yeah, because you have such a mix of smart fans to mark fans. Now, for those folks who don't understand that a mark is somebody who doesn't really understand the wrestling business a smart fan is someone who understands all the background machinations and how the business actually works it's a little bit different now because you know kayfabe which is like pretending that wrestling is real is is not a thing anymore so the the line is blurred and there's much more of the smart fan sort Mm -hmm. of thing yeah however it's it's very difficult for 
a wrestler to get the kind of response that L.A. Knight is getting, which is mm-hmm. above and beyond what the company is expecting or planning. Yeah. I don't think that they the WWE is I think they're in a in a in a rare position for them because like we don't exactly know what to do now because this guy is getting way more of a reaction than what we planned for. This is not the dude that we want. The dude is 40 years old mm-hmm. and he is getting these responses that like we don't know what to do with this guy because we By hadn't way, planned on him getting n- this. Number 4 on the merchandise mover. Uh, rankings apparently so Jeez. he is just above the nwo which apparently mm-hmm. is still selling a lot of merchandise he's just yeah. below stone cold steve austin and then i forget who one and two were i'm so, gonna guess reigns uh, I mean, uh sorry reigns and roads reigns and roads yeah. are number one and two yep yeah so i mean it, it it's something for, to be said for this guy to get over and he's getting yeah. over i think in the right ways because he's a hell of a worker yeah he is, and and you pointed out yourself, like he is the one guy who's managed to engage with Bray Wyatt over the past few years and come out better, yeah. as opposed to like tanking and needing to recover. And, and um, he lost that match. Like he lost that match. He was out for a week, came yep. back, and just kept doing his shtick. And mm-hmm. you know, the and, and let's be honest, he he. There, there's a lot of elements of what he was doing now that he did his Eli Drake in TNA impact. He, he was doing the Yaz. He, he worked this, this, the whole dummy thing in, which is pretty funny. He, you know, calling mm-hmm. people dummy and all that sort of thing, but he was doing the, let me talk to you. He was doing the, yeah, he's been doing that for a really long time. So when, when I first heard Nash Nash's comments, I'm like, he must not have really seen this guy's body work. Cause he's been doing this for a really long time. He, this, better, this he just not... saw the promos. He didn't see the actual in ring work, right. which is where this dude actually shines. Like if you think his promos are good, you think he's yeah. good on the mic. Yeah. He is a hell of a worker. And he, that's the thing that distinguishes him. Yeah. And, and he did con- like he's when, when he said he saw, you know, the, 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 the footage of him, he had a lot of very complimentary things to say about, you know, he's solid. It looks like a solid hand. He's talking about a couple techniques that he happened to notice as well that, you know, to I think someone who's in the wrestling business shows a sign of, of craft and mm-hmm. and skill. And so I think, you know, I think that was his way of, of acknowledging those things that that yeah. he sees him as a good worker. I, I think what's been very interesting is WWE has done zero to push him and he has organically grown into where he is now on his yeah. own. Because they don't know charisma. what to do with him because right. it, and, well, and, and it's a well, rare thing because I think they're getting him in line for the U.S. title. I think he's going to make a run at Austin Theory. I think it's a great. First of all, you and I have both said this. That U.S. title is one of the nicest looking belts oh, that they have. Fracking gorgeous. It's a best. It is the best. Without, so, in my opinion, it is better than any world title. It is a night. It is the most beautiful yeah. title they have right now. So it's, put it's it on him. Belt. Yeah. Let him have a run with it up through WrestleMania, maybe, you know, like let him be a champion for a period of time. Don't you don't have to define him as a baby face or not. I mean, I think him just staying the course of what he's doing is doing great. Let's let's not overstate. Oh, he's a baby face now or whatever. Um, but give him belt. Let him run for a bit as a champ and and see how that goes and then see if he's someone who because guess what? We're right around the corner, not right around the corner, but. Soon we're going to get to WrestleMania next year, and if it goes the way we think it's going to go, and Rhodes ends up beating Reigns, now Cody Rhodes needs some some heels to go up against. And wouldn't it mm. be, you know, Austin versus The Rock if we want to go with that comparison? Rhodes versus you know Knight or something like that. I could see that being a very compelling matchup between those two guys. So yeah, 
I, I don't know. I, I, I think give him a secondary title, let him run with it, let him build on the momentum, get to WrestleMania. Maybe he drops the strap or something, but, but get him into a couple good angles, good feuds. And then maybe he's a potential challenger for Rhodes to at least give Rhodes a couple of guys to, you know, kind of exercise being a world champion with. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and he's, pardon me. The seltzer and the bourbon are not playing well. Sorry. Um, I no, I agree. I I think this guy should be given a leeway to do whatever. Like this yeah. is this is one of those things where it's almost it, to me it reminds me of like mankind. Yeah. You know, like mankind was never Mick Foley was never looked at as as a champion. Mm-hmm. Even I I think I would I would say up until a few weeks before they actually gave him the title because there was no preparation right. for him getting the title. And it was almost like a damn, the fans are into this guy. Yeah. Well, yep. let's see how this goes. You know, that sort of yep. thing. And that's why to me it, 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 it he is one of the most interesting characters you know, in character, I mean, like character in terms of on screen, but also is in terms mm-hmm. of a an individual to come along in a while, because like you said, he gets he's gotten over organically and yeah. and I and they really don't know what the hell to do with him in some ways. And yeah, uh, yeah anything that anything to push this guy, I think, in the right direction is a good idea. Yeah. And, and, and one area that, that I think Nash was wrong in is I, I think he mistakenly related the 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 as you've heard us do. Yeah. The, the thing he does there for Steve Austin's what? Yeah. I don't see those as, as the same thing at all. I, I, I see those as two very different things that, that he does. Now, the crowd is doing it in a similar fashion, but it's mm-hmm. almost like it, it, it to me, it's not the same thing. Like like he he's using it for a different reason. I think mm-hmm. his cadence at times can be somewhat like rock or like Austin. But yeah. again, I think he's just a strong speaker. And I think he really, you know, he, he his promos are extraordinarily strong. He connects with the audience yeah, strap a rocket on this guy and let's see where he goes. The thing is, you could go back to like, you could, if you really wanted to, like, Zapruder, like, conspiracy f- film theory, this thing, all the way down, you could go back and you could break down Austin's promos and say, oh, well, these are his influences and Rock's promos and these are his influences and, and this is where he ripped off this and this and that and the other. And and Mick Foley, certainly, I mean, my God, just go back to you know, freaking uh, Terry Funk and and all mm-hmm. of the stuff that he stole from him blatantly and has, has willingly admitted. Yeah, he he's he's doing some similar stuff. Yeah. Okay. Like, Hey, Kevin, you know how you used to step over the top rope? That was Andre's thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and it's a good thing that Andre wasn't around because you know what? Andre like whipped Big John Studd's ass for doing that. <laughs> so good thing Andre wasn't around when you did because guess what? Andre would have whooped your ass too. Yeah. I don't care how big and bad you thought you were. Andre was bigger and badder. Um and drunker. Uh, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, of course he's borrowing. Of course there's some similarities. Of course. It's it's the way it works, dude. Yeah. You know, it's like saying like it, it's like, uh, you know, saying like, oh, no, this movie's derivative of this. And blah, 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 mm-hmm. Or freaking uh, Michelle Rodriguez saying like, oh, well, you know, all these movies are, you know, sequels. And it's like, dude, you, you're in the 10th movie about racing cars. Like you're kind of talk about sequels. Really? Yeah. Really? Oh my gosh. Like yeah. just it's okay. It's the same as going back to cheap thrills. It's 
okay to have a cheap mm-hmm. nostalgic moment. It's okay. Just let it go and enjoy it. And if you don't, shut up, move to the side. Find something else. Go knit. Collect stamps. As Booker T said on his show this week, another YouTube clip I watched, what, what is old is new again. Mm-hmm. Put a rocket on this guy's back and let's see where it takes him. So, Damn! we're all in for LA night. All right, yes. sir. Uh, we're, we're about to wrap up a close to an hour long week in geek segment here. Um, you, sir, have a chic tweet of the week from our, our from friend of a show, uh, the Iron Cheeky. Uh, you are have worse than Hulk Hogan. That's right. Make him humble. So, uh, this week's chic of the week, the chic tweet of the week, uh, comes from. January 26, 2022, where the Iron Sheik says thusly, in all caps, as was his wont, Wednesday night might be the hardest day to spell, but it is the easiest day to say, go fuck yourself, Hulk Hogan. Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) The man is an artist in terms of how he works in his hatred for Hulk Hogan. A poet. A poet poet ladies and gentlemen uh, well of unmatched ability on that poignant note that my friends is a close to an hour long week in geek you are worse than hulk hogan thank you he was a punk <laughs> i just love that one he was a punk give me a little chips outro music come on oh there we go I've popped out of hip. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to tail that off. Yeah, you got to oh. do the, uh, the, the the Shawn Michaels grab the back when he was like acting as Hulk Hogan. He's doing all the flexing. And he's like, ah! <laughs> yeah, it's not that far from the truth. I, I found out today that I can bench press 165 pounds once. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was supposed to do two reps. Um, <laughs> That second one, oh! Um, I also found out that the the lower hooks on the on the bench rack that I was using mm-hmm. are a good place to dump that weight when you can't lift it back up to the to the to the proper ones. Jeez, um, do you have a spotter or no? No. Oh, come on, man! You did a one sixty, one sixty five, one sixty five. Gosh, be careful. It was a PR, so I got I got the I got the one, but I was supposed to get two, and I I did the one, and I was like. I think I can do it. And mm. I, I should have listened to myself and been like, no, no, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, well, thank you, sir, for that, uh, that educational weekend geek. And now we will get on to <sighs> Bob Iger. <laughs> who would ever thought we had an entire show themed around him? <laughs> a CEO in three parts, uh, a tragedy in three our acts, as it would, as you ah, would say, there you go. Um, sure, so sure. I, I'm, I'm going to put a, yeah, sure, sure. I'm going right. to put a, um, a link to this. Jimmy dice. <laughs> so the, uh, the title of our, our show here comes from the Mickey fires, Bob Chappick, uh, YouTube video, which is well worth your time. Uh, the problem is that now we've come to the point where most of this is true. of freaking Bob Iger. <laughs> so yeah. here we are folks, uh, wandering our way through many different, uh, entertainment, uh, notable news but using Bob Iger as our tour guide uh, into hell, essentially. So uh, the man they call Tim, you want to lead us through this since you are managing to dredge up all of this information? Yeah. So uh, in in subsection one that I in you know of course Subsec- title. Oh gosh, are we getting right. into contracts? That's right. <laughs> 
subsection per se hearsay. You suspect. Retainer. Retainer. <laughs> you beat me to it. I had I had a mouthful of seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Wrath of Bob Iger, Part One. So, uh, first... all right. So, hang on a second. We got to do this PTI style, so okay. which means I got to get my timer going. Hang all on right. a second. All right, we are we are going now. Okay. So, first article from Variety.com. Uh, Bob Iger uh, has his contract extended as Disney CEO through 2026. So, not a whole lot of news there, other than just the fact that Bobby Boy is going to be around for at least another uh, couple of years. Did they uh, say what his what his original contract was when he came back? Uh, let's see. He came back in November 2022. Because it was and... very kind of quick. So, I imagine it wasn't a long-term deal. So, what? It must have been like two years? They gave another uh, two. I'm I would guess, yeah. So, so maybe it would have been to 2024, and they extended him yeah. out to 2026. Yeah. All right. I mean, it's reasonable. Yeah. So, so that was the first piece of news, and that's important because of of what follows after that. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's extended through 2026, and then uh, we get the announcement uh, last week uh, from from the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Bob Iger, that apparently, um, Disney is going to start ratcheting down the amount of, uh, and, and this is from inside the magic.net, uh, going to be ratcheting down, uh, the amount of, uh, star Wars and Marvel content that is going to be created. So, um, as, as, as many may may know or, or maybe not know, apparently we were in a streaming bubble during the uh, pandemic and that bubble is <laughs> no. gone. So, uh, streaming services are now, uh, apparently bleeding money, uh, like crazy because we're all going back out into the world and doing things again and not sitting no, in front of our TV No, no, set. no, no, no. Time, time out on this. All right. Streaming companies are going, are, are getting, are panic, are getting panicky because no one actually thought of how they're making money off of streaming. And COVID came along and all of a sudden everyone, they're getting tons of viewers, but they're like, oh, wait, are we really making the money that we're spending? Mm-hmm. There was, I, I think everyone jumped into it and they didn't really look at what the economics and what the wins were. They were just like, everyone's doing it. Let's do it. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily like, oh, it's a streaming bubble. It's gone away. Like, that's an excuse. You guys just really were just trying to like get in on the, the, yeah. the, the streaming orgy that was happening without really thinking it through. Well, and, and we'll get into this in, in the next article that follows, but yeah, the, the, but Disney plus has shed a fair number of subscribers. So, so that, that's where I yeah. think that theory or that perspective is coming from is that, and, and not just them, like them, Netflix, you know, a lot of streaming services are losing mm-hmm. subscribers because people are going, are, are getting back to life as it once was. And there, there is not as much of a, um, you know, and again, with inflation and with a lot of other economic things going on, you know, dropping the money for these services may not be in everyone's budget. And so, um, well, and also how many people are shuffling around like I do, like where they're like, okay, I'm not watching anything on, you know, Peacock, for instance, like, let me drop yeah. that one. And then yeah. if something comes along, like, all right, maybe I'll renew for a couple months and yeah. then drop it, you know. But it, it is going to be curious, though, to see how this impacts Star Wars, because right now we have Ahsoka mm. coming up, which is really the last piece of live action content that we're that we've been, you know, sold on or advertised to um, on Disney Plus. So are we going to start seeing on the blues? um you know, really no other, you know, kind of limited series like what we've been seeing with Obi-Wan, like we've been seeing with Mandalorian. Are they going to pump the brakes a little bit? 
how does that play into Filoni's, you know, movie that is supposed to incorporate Mando, which I believe is supposed to be like heir to the empire, mm. um, which is what all of the Ahsoka stuff is building towards. So it's kind of a strange announcement because it, it, it's been said, but I, I don't know how it impacts those things because they do have, yeah. you know, I think a couple episodes back, we walked through, I think Disney's plan for Marvel and star Wars, you know, the movies that are, that were going to be coming out. They had a pretty strong lineup. They didn't say in this article, like specifically, that certain movies are getting axed. It was mm. just a statement from Iger. So I'm kind of curious, like how that impacts things, because um, I think there was going to be the uh, Taika Waititi, excuse me, Taika Waititi um, Star Wars movie that was supposed to come out next year, I believe. Um, yeah. And then Heir to the Empire, I think, was supposed to come out, you know, in 2025 or 2026. And so, um, so yeah, so we'll have to kind of see if that now means those movies are just being deferred or delayed or, I mean, right now nothing's happening because of the writer's strike. So we'll, well, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later on. But, um, but yeah, it, it's just, uh, and then same with Marvel. You know, I don't know what that means. You know, right now all of this is up in the air because of the writer's strike. But when they do, like, assuming things are come to a head and they come back, you know, and, and get back to work, you know, what does that mean for, you know, phase five and, and, and that kind of thing? And is Disney really not going to produce these movies or are they going to stretch them out like longer? So they're not having to dump so much money into them because it seems like that's the thing he's trying to solve for is just Disney's just bleeding money right now in a, in a lot of yeah. different areas. Yeah. And the thing is like on, on, on one hand, I understand like I, I get why you want, and the, and the smartest thing that that Bob can do right now is to shut his yap about any of this and use the writer and uh, use a strike as an advantage to then be like, okay, just don't say anything, don't say anything, and then when this whole thing writes itself, then go, okay, well we have to readjust because of, and then readjust how you want. Mm-hmm. I get it. Like, you, you, yeah, you're spending a ton of money on these shows and you're doing this and that and the other and you don't know how it's profitable. OK, use this time to figure that out. I, there's, and, there's, and, and in some ways, there might not be a great idea because you're you're doing a really high concept, high, you know, uh, budget stuff and you're hoping it's going to pay off. And it, it, it might not in every case. Fine. Um, you're going to readjust. I mean, they are, they've already canceled how many different movies, the, the cat, the, um, uh, what's her face? Uh, Wonder Woman, um, mm. director, Rogue Squadron. That's gone. Patty Jenkins. Um, Patty Jenkins. Thank you. Um, Taika Waititi's movie is not happening. Let's just, let's just face facts on that. Like we mm. hadn't heard squad on that after the announcement it's supposed to come out next year. <laughs> it would have to go into post-production now with like, a you know, for those of us who, who who worked in you know server, they'd have to put that one on the rail to try and make it get out for next week. It ain't happen uh, next month, next year. It ain't happening. Um, yeah, but all this stuff, like it's gonna, it's going to shift, and I get it. Like you want to make sure that the stuff that you have has a lot of impact, and there's been a lot of oversaturation and a lot of throwing stuff at the wall and see what's going to stick. Fine, but do it in a somewhat civilized, sensible way. And, and, you know, I get fans are overreacting, but yeah, I mean, the fact is like, yeah, a lot of the stuff is diluted. Yeah. Like there, there is too much content and, and they might've overstepped their, you know, their limits. Okay. Recalibrate. But, you know, one for fans don't get 
too cranky because there's a lot of fans out there who are already like, oh, there's too much stuff. Well, and then they're yeah. like, oh, there's not going to be enough stuff. Like, oh, for God's sake, can you be happy about one way or the other? Um, but just kind of let's see how this whole thing settles. I honestly think that Disney Plus is going to see a lot of uh, return for Ahsoka. I think there's, mm-hmm. they're going to get a lot of subscriptions back in August for mm-hmm. people who want to see this because there is a lot of buzz about it. I mean, there's a lot of it's been a little while since you've had Star Wars content. So, yeah. Oh, oh, my gosh. We lost subscribers. Yeah, because Mando's done. Yeah. And there's been new, no new content. And if you're just a Disney Plus subscriber for Star Wars content, well, I've probably already watched it all. Let me take a couple months off and save, you know, some nine ninety nine or whatever the crap it is now, yeah. you know, per month fees. And then I'll come back when Ahsoka's mm-hmm. streaming, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I... I get it and I don't get it. I, I Overall, I think that we're better off with Iger than Chappic in this stance. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's what we but, should have done for the show, Battle of the Bobs. Would you have taken Chappic or Iger? <laughs> I mean, it's all Iger. Chappic was such a... <laughs> he, I know. Let's yeah. not get you on that soapbox. But it, hey. but I, I think that if they if they just stick with what they're doing, yep. I think it's okay. Yeah. I, I think it will be okay, uh, I, yeah. I, but I, I think trying to blame it on like, oh well, costs or this and that. Like, no, you guys as a as a business did not mm-hmm. figure this thing out. You were just jumped in because it was like, oh, this is the next big thing, right. and we have to be right. part of it. And you didn't really think about. And then you're like, oh well, it's this guy's fault and this guy's fault. No, you're the one at the top. Yeah, you jumped in on all this. Own it. Um, just real quick on the Marvel front, um, that article, you know, talks about, you know, Marvel's run, which we all know phase four has been a little, uh, uneven, um, Dr. Strange multiverse of madness, um, had some hype, um, started the, you know, had, had some, some inroads into the multiverse Thor love and thunder. That was kind of a meh, you know, um, mm, yeah. uh, outing there black Panther Wakanda forever was, was really well done, but mm-hmm. you know, to varied reception, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp is universally believed to, and, and I would agree just very bad reviews and, and has the worst box office of, of, uh, the MCU. Um, Valid. Along with the fact that their star is is in in some legal trouble, um, so when it comes to the shows oh, that yeah. were coming up, so here's what was supposed to be coming out in season two. Uh, what if season two, uh, or not season two? Sorry, was supposed to come out in 2023. What if season two, Ironheart, Agatha, Coven of Chaos, Echo, and Loki? Now, none of these have been canceled, but only Loki is coming out in October and Echo in November. All those other series have been pushed out, so they haven't been. F- canceled but they're Mm. not airing this year and the question is will they ever air because of the fact that they've been pushed out um if i had uh, to guess i would say what if is going to because animated series require so much production time yeah i'd be willing to bet that's like 85 percent done yeah and there's and and what's the write-off there like um coven of chaos i don't know about that one because they just announced uh aubrey plaza as mm-hmm. part of that. Okay. And I mean, good God, you get Aubrey Plaza and, 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 uh, uh, Catherine Hahn in that, mm-hmm. you get a little parks and rec, re- uh, reunion there. Yep. Oh, I can't even imagine how good that's going to be. Yeah. I wonder if some yeah. of this is just like stretching this stuff out a little bit more. Could be. Um, could and maybe be. just trying to like, okay, let's, let's space this out. And it's sort of like when the, when Marvel was doing at one point, they had like four movies in a year. Yeah. And then they realize like, oh, 
maybe not a good idea. Maybe two <laughs> movies per year is the way to go. Right. Well, and, and okay, and that goes, that segues nicely into a comment Iger made, which I think I agree with. He admitted that Marvel's lack of television footprint meant that the Disney Plus show execution diluted the saga and split the fan base, meaning, and, and I do understand where, where he's coming from, Marvel Studios injected so much into the streaming shows that the casual moviegoer then needed to have a subscription and watch multiple seasons and multiple episodes to be in the know about certain events. So I, mm-hmm. I get that. You know, I, I, I think mm-hmm. that is the struggle when you try to go multi-channel the way that they did rather than leave it to the movies to be the the key anchor points for the fan base to see the story progress. I think these series were fun, but again, if, if you're a casual fan who, who just happened to like the movies doesn't, and, and, you know, I'm kind of starting to fall into this a little bit with some of what they're putting out there. Like I haven't really, I still haven't seen Miss Marvel still haven't watched She-Hulk. I want to, but again, you know, in the prioritization of what I want to see, that's kind of mm-hmm. low on the totem pole right now. So yeah, and again, not that it's it's ruined my viewing of any of the movies that, that we've seen recently, but there's things like when Captain Marvel 2 comes out, I, I'm missing some context because I haven't seen Miss Marvel yet. So yeah, I, I do get his point. And I do think that is somewhat of a challenge that maybe they, they didn't anticipate how that would impact their fan base. Having said that, when they started this run, it was during the pandemic when we were all home anyways. So, you know, again, I, th- I think events played out in initially okay because everyone was just kind of home and they could get that that was the content they could see um and so maybe the fan base wasn't as split but i think now that things have opened back up and we're back to kind of normal operation now it's exposing kind of a flaw in this in this whole thing so you're wrong um, what what so i i will disagree on this point you're wrong Uh, um this goes way be way before uh covid and and okay. it's it, it goes to the beginning of the idea of a, of a MCU mm-hmm. and the idea of interweaving stories and then coming together in an Avengers movie and then because if I mean think of it you start out with a couple of characters different movies and then you bring them all together mm-hmm. and you put them in an Avengers movie then everything after that is an Avengers sequel whether it's a so you kind of bring them all together then you separate them but they're still kind of sequels to Avengers because they're still playing off each other then you bring them together again mm-hmm. but Infinity Saga was was single channel it was movies only like you 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 had to True. the only way you saw the story progress was in the movie theater you had no choice on television but that was still Post. at least that's the difference. I mean, they've almost multiversed themselves in a way, right? They have the movies, but they also have the shows, which some of them you need to watch to understand some of the things that are going on in the movies. And now you've, you've kind of diluted that a little bit. So, I don't but, know. It, but it's the next logical step. And that's why I say it goes back to this whole idea, because it's, it's something that no one has ever done. And if, if anyone has ever done anything close to this, they didn't do it very well because I, I, we can't remember it. Nobody yeah. talks about it. So this is really the first time you've taken like different movies and stream brought them together and the characters characters into a in, into a, a, a sequence of movies that build to one thing and then separate them build to another thing build to another thing no one's ever done that mm-hmm. and so then the next logical step is well you're going to grow out here and here and here and and the thing is i can't fault them that much because it, they they're doing the thing that in some ways is the opposite of what people criticize hollywood for which is oh they're only thinking all right there's our alarm but you know what we're we're gonna go into ot on this one um <laughs> they're gonna they're, they're they talk about like they're always thinking about the sequel boundaries what boundaries they're thinking about the sequel they they, mm-hmm. they want to just do the sequel and this and that and the other. they're building that building that 
here you have this thing where they're like, all right, we're going to do this thing and we're not going to bother thinking about like what happens after Infinity Saga is over. We're just going to mm-hmm. make these really good. And then then we're going to kind of just go from there and try things. And and in a way, I applaud that. And mm-hmm. and that's why I'm OK with some of the fumbling and some of the missteps and this and that, because at the very least, it's trying these new things. Mm-hmm. So like trying to branch out and, and saying like, yeah, if you want to see the Marvels, you kind of have to watch Miss Marvel because you have to watch the genesis of that character. Okay, and maybe it doesn't work. All right, well, fine. Then you you adjust and you go forward. But mm-hmm. I applaud the fact that they're at least trying this. Yeah. Um. And and yeah, there it it is tough because the other part of this is that you're building off of you're trying to do like oh well it's like the comics. Well, yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot harder to keep it, you know, separated in movies and TV when you're still trying to connect them all, you know, directly as mm-hmm. it is when you're, you're doing, you know, comics where it's like, they don't all directly connect. Like there's yeah. very few like secret wars moments and things like that. Like the Avengers was another comic. Mm-hmm. It wasn't this special thing that came along. Like it was just another book that you bought. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so it's just a different mechanics. So I give them credit for doing it. And yeah, there's stuff that doesn't work. Um, but at the same time, it's still kind of fun to keep up with. Agreed. Yes. So saith the undertaker. There we go. There we go. All right. So uh, we have now completed subsection uh, paragraph three. <laughs> Uh, sub subsection uh, B, uh, the Wrath of Bob Iger, part one. Uh, here to four, uh, we move on to uh, the Wrath of Bob Iger, part two. Uh, oh, which, this, which means this is the the Wrath of Khan. God, I spit at thee. There we go. All right, so this is from uh, Walt Disney World News Today. Damn. Thank you, Ron. Um, title is CEO Bob Iger considering selling streaming services and other assets may even try to sell entire Disney company. No, uh, God, please. No, <laughs> no, no. Oh, it's from a couple days ago. Um, basically, uh, it, it, Iger's comments, um, basically uh that disney okay here, here's the numbers i was talking about uh disney streaming services have been losing money in subscribers disney plus uh the plus lost four million subscribers last quarter streaming is expected to have a, hit a total loss of 800 million in the third quarter so that is quite a bit of moolah that they are burning right there um and according to bloomberg Iger wants to completely sell or restructure disney's tv and streaming businesses in india this is where disney plus has had the biggest losses so, so wait just in india well it goes on um Iger plans to hold on to hulu um and disney will launch a combined app for hulu and disney plus later this year mm. um the streaming services so there are separate apps at least for now uh what else um Iger wants to hang on to ESPN, but is looking for a partner for the sports network. Potential partners include sports companies and Apple. Um, and that's where the rumors of, um, you know, selling the, the, the company would uh, would basically go to Apple is what it sounds like. So if he sells all of Disney, he would sell it to Apple. Um, but the sale, uh, so this, so it's nothing more than speculation right now, but the sale uh, seems to be a possibility according to to this article so so wait is he looking just to sell like the the disney plus rights for india or is he looking like the whole kit so, and caboodle 
this is where it's a little bit of a overstatement in the title. So when it, when they talk about streaming services, it sounds like they want to yeah sell the in, the services from India, um, Disney Plus, Hotstar, the region's version of Disney Plus lost streaming rights to Indian Premier League cricket matches, leading to the service losing 3.8 million subscribers in quarter one and 4.6 million in quarter two. So I think this is really just about selling streaming services within India. Um, I don't think they're doing anything with the plus overall. Um, Okay. So hang on, hang on. Just so how many, how many lost subscriptions in India? Yes. Uh, quarter one, 3.8 million and 4.6 million in quarter two. Okay. Big numbers, right? Yeah. I mean, anytime you attach a million yeah. to something, it's a big number. It is. A big I, number. I've never seen a million of anything unless you're yeah. talking of grains of sand on the beach. And then in, in general, Disney Plus has lost uh, 4 million subscribers in quarter two. Okay. So hang on a second here. Let me uh, Let me just see if I can find out what that is. Um, all right, folks, Uncle Todd's doing the maths. Hang on. I can't find a number for that. But anyways, so if they lost, what was the number for India again? They lost in the, in the quarter. Was it 3.8 something like that? Yeah, I, I, I can do the addition for you if you need me to. Well, no, um, because so India has uh, had 302.4 million households in 2021. So they okay. lost however many million of that. They didn't so about lose 100. About 8.4. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot, but when you're talking about India and that many households, like it's not like they're you know, like nobody in India is watching Disney Plus. No, you know? but, but I think the larger point is they lost the rights to to Indian Premier League cricket matches, which I think they they I think the intention in the article was to say that these losses are just going to continue because that was a source of you know subscribers coming to the oh, channel. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, cricket so. is huge in India, so yeah, yeah. that would totally makes sense yeah. but i'm just saying like it, it to me it's like yeah well they're looking to sell but yeah they're looking to sell in a in an area where it's like yeah and as soon as we lose the cricket matches then we're done okay that'd be like all of a sudden like oh yeah and and disney and uh, on disney plus you're no longer going to be able to watch marvel or star oh. wars you would see it a huge drop off right the, the part i skipped over is i think he wants to sell some of the disney tv channels like freeform um, the mm-hmm. Disney Channel, all that stuff. Um, it says here, uh, Wells Fargo analyst says selling the TV networks could get them about eight billion, which would help mm-hmm. offset the cost of that last third. Um, and it does sound like if they want to do the Hulu Disney Plus combination, Disney will more than likely have to buy Comcast thirty three percent stake in Hulu in twenty twenty four. So yeah. I think this is all kind of maneuvers. If if they want, like it sounds like Iger wants to hold on to Hulu, obviously isn't going to get rid of Disney Plus, but I think he wants to wipe the slate clean with the television channels because of you know the lack of whatever you know that it seems like it'll generate a lot of a lot of revenue for them that they can then parlay into you know basically getting hulu in house so well, yeah and it it eliminate in some ways it eliminates some overhead for them while they're i'm i'm assuming yeah. whoever buys those channels is still going to want disney content mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. they're going to have to license in some way shape or form even if it's at a discount 
and then it's like, well, point right? He turns it from them owning the channel to fine, you can own the channel, but now you need to license the content from us. Yeah, and And even if you do it at like a making model, so yeah, even if it's a fifty percent discount, yeah, well, you still don't have the headaches of all that production and and overhead and all that. Yeah, it's it's this thing that people ran these companies ran into when they start all wanted to start their own streaming service, realizing like, oh, Mm -hmm. you mean we got to build the thing from scratch? Yeah. Yeah. Gee, that's a lot of money. Speaking mm-hmm. to the person who is much more tech savvy than I am, like who knows very well, like, hey, how much does it cost to build an app? <laughs> Far more than you think it does. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So kind of uh, interesting happenings with Disney, um, you know, in terms of uh, Iger making some some chess moves here in order to. Uh, shore up some of the uh, streaming and, and content situation that they have. So, yeah. We, we and I mean, see. and so far right now we're in it, we're in the territory of like, okay, Bob, you know, maybe not the most popular decisions, maybe not the most popular ways of expressing those opinions, but still understandable in all this. And mm-hmm. in this next segment is where we go into, okay, F this guy in particular. Yes. So please, sir. There we go. All right. And now uh, we are not uh, calling this one the Wrath of Bob Iger Part 3, but rather we're going to call this the WGA-SAG Strike and Bob Iger. Yeah. Uh, So basically, uh, do do you want to take this a little bit? Because I I know this is near and dear to your heart, the writer strike, or or do you want me to lead off with what he said? Maybe maybe I can do that and then we can get into it. Well, I mean, we we know now that the the Writers Guild of America has been striking. They want better residual payments. They want better protections. They they want assurances that AI is not going to be used to essentially go back and and, because you can find a ton of Mm -hmm. screenplays online for those uninitiated and for those companies that are accepting screenplays and have them on file they could go through and say hey give me a screenplay in the style of and here let me feed all of you know the 20 screenplays of this person that we have into an ai bot and essentially get something i mean Mm -hmm. who knows how good it'll be it'll probably be extremely derivative and and meh but (laughs) let's since when has that stopped hollywood of course Um, and, uh, you know, so they they're looking for some assurances and they've got the Screen Actors Guild on their side because, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, wanting to pay people to like scan them and then use their likeness into perpetuity don't go over too well uh, for folks. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a bit of a battle right now. It's the first time since I believe the 1960s, since mm-hmm. both of the guilds have been on strike together. Yes. And uh, right now it is essentially ground Hollywood to a bit of a halt. Uh, which yes. won't show up for a little while because of the lag and you know the the amount of production time and stuff. But in a couple of years, we're going to have some lean <laughs> lean times for entertainment. More importantly, the the pipeline of show ideas and content for free range idiocy is is in danger. I think I, I think the stock market is is tumbling because of this. Um, no, but, but, but we will persevere. We we will find a way. There is much much for us to talk about. There's always wrestling and the drama therein. Absolutely. Um, so would 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 you like me to read Mr. Iger's comments? 
Oh, please, please, because this is Speaking to CNBC's David Faber uh, from the Sun Valley Conference in Idaho, Iger commented on the ongoing Writers Guild of America strike and imminent decision for the Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA uh, to join them. It's very disturbing to me. This is Mr. Iger. Mm. We've talked about disruptive forces on this business and all the challenges we're facing, the recovery from COVID, which is ongoing. It's not completely back. This is the worst time in the world to add that disruption, Iger said. I understand the labor organization's desire to work on behalf of its members to get the most compensation and be compensated fairly based on the value that they deliver. We manage as an industry to negotiate a very good deal with the Directors Guild that reflects the value that the directors contribute to this great business. We wanted to do the same with the writers, and we'd like to do the same thing with the actors. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. And they're adding to the set of the challenges that this business is already facing that is, quite frankly, very disruptive. End quote. This is from a Variety.com article from a couple days ago. So, uh, Mr. Iger, has he squarely inserted foot into mouth on this one? (laughs) Patrick. Oh, good God. You remember how I had you Google uh, Bob Iger's office earlier? You know, join mail, <laughs> mail the bag of dog poo. <laughs> F this guy in no, particular. No, what you need to say to Patrick is order 66. <laughs> yes, essentially. <laughs> order 67. Um, <laughs> no, I, the thing is, here's the thing. Like Bob Iger um, in 2021 earned forty five point nine million dollars. Okay, Um, and then his base salary was three million. He earned a cash bonus of twenty two point nine million in twenty twenty. So, I mean, and essentially with his new contract, apparently he's taken a pay cut, which won't end up um, being a pay cut. I guarantee it. So, oh, my portfolio. (laughs) Yeah. Even if it does, I wish I could have the money from his pay cut um, as my salary. The thing is, when he when he talks about this is the worst time for this disruption. Yeah, yeah, uh, that that's that's how strikes and 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 demonstrations and things work. They're supposed to be inconvenient. They're going to take advantage of those times. It doesn't change the fact that these people have been screwed over. The 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 people who have been screwed over most, aside from honestly female actors in the history of Hollywood, have probably been writers. Because you can, they their their work gets taken and very little input unless you have a huge amount of clout, um, and you can be essentially your script can be taken and then rewritten and then you're as long as it adheres to a certain amount, you lose a, a certain amount of credit on that, and uh, and and that happens with directors too. It's the same reason why we have. Uh, Richard Donner not being on Superman 2 uh, because the, mm-hmm. the guy that they brought in shot more than 51, you know, was brought in and, and told to shoot 51% of the footage so that he would get credit and, and, and Dick Donner would be taken off of the, the, the credits. Um, and then after that, uh, the, the next hope that I have is that the VFX houses get a, uh, get a union because that right now they don't have a union. So they can't even strike because those are the people who are really getting a prison pounding in terms of like, how things work because it's just the, the work is divvied up and, and like the reason why you see at the end of a Marvel movie, like the credits take 20 minutes is because there's like 
15, 20 VX, VFX houses that, that deal with this stuff because they mm-hmm. just split up the work. And it's like, oh, you don't want it? Screw you. We'll take it to this guy and this guy and, you know, yeah. Warren Armed Monkey, you know, uh, studios or whatever is, is going to do it. The fact is, like, the idea of what's reasonable to somebody who is at the head of a studio and mm-hmm. what is reasonable to the person who is uh, who is in, in the creation end or who is in the in the process of possibly giving up the rights to their physical likeness in mm-hmm. perpetuity because you started out as a background actor and then 10 years later hey you make it well too bad paramount owns your ass mm-hmm. and they can just scan you into whatever they want to down the road oh well that wouldn't happen really it kind of already has there's been some examples and there's been some people who have come out and said hey i've had this happen i've had that happen like you know what screw these guys Mm -hmm. i I, and if it means going without content for this podcast so be it we'll start we'll start you know freaking interviewing uh background actors and 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 writers for this thing i don't care uh, you know, if, if it means going without movies, all right, fine. You know, I'm good with that. Residuals for these actors and these writers are so low right now. It's ridiculous. And the idea that you can sit there and bitch and moan that like, oh, well, we're still recovering and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you still, yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, this comes off as bad as chap at getting into a pissing match with, uh, with, uh, with Scar Joe. Like yeah. it, it, it is a bad idea and you got to, you got ahead of yourself and you lost track of, of exactly where you're at and yep. how connected you, you are to the actual people. And you know what? Shame on, shame on you and all the studio execs who are like, Oh, well, this is terrible. And we're no, you're, you're giving these people less than like one to 2% of the pie. Shut up. Yeah. You know, with your freaking bonuses and everything else. Like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so, George Cooney made 20 million or so-and-so made 20 million. Yeah, that's not, those aren't the people who are, who are, this is all about. This is about the people who are making scale or are making less than nothing mm-hmm. and who are trying to, you know what a Hollywood, the average, according to uh, Glassdoor, uh, a writer in Hollywood makes between 45000 and $79,000 a year. And you're supposed to live Which, in California on that. Not even in California. You're supposed to live in Hollywood. Like yeah. a major metropolitan, you can't live in a major, any major metropolitan yeah. area for forty-five to seventy-nine thousand dollars a year. Come yeah. on, yeah. And 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 yet Bob, making you know forty-nine million dollars a year. Well, this is very. We made. <laughs> Sorry, no, doesn't fly. Mm-hmm. Nope. Sorry. As Teddy KGB said, pay them their money. Yep. Pay them their money. Give them their three fifty. And then some. Give them. Give them. 350 times two. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it, it seems there's a bit of tone deafness going on here. Um, and totally. you know, quite quite honestly, uh, and, and I, I wish I'd listened to the podcast or, or I, yeah, I listened to podcast sooner to when we did this show because um, I, I was listening to Lewis Black and, and he kind of he did a great job on his um Rant I don't cast. even know what this is about, but please, dear sweet Lord, no, put no, that he, link on the outline so that I can link that to other sure. people and so I can listen to it pretty yeah, please. No, his rant cast, I, I will forewarn you that there is a bit of in, um, in-app, not in-app, in-podcast advertisement. Like, like I, I it, yeah. it took me a little bit to figure out that there, there's a pattern to his show and he has a little bit of like advertisement going on inside. But, um, 
No, but but he 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 had a show that was just completely about you know what was going on with the writers and and laid out you know here's you know back in the television days here's how you know residuals were paid out here's how we made our money and how that has changed so much due to streaming and and what that's mm-hmm. doing to them now because now yeah um you know he he like like one one distinction I I remember is he talked about how you know with a television show. It airs in, 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 in America. And then when it goes and airs in another country, there are still residual, you know, monies that come back to the people involved based mm-hmm. on, you know, where it gets distributed and, and so on and so forth. That doesn't happen with streaming. So no. once it airs, they, I mean, they, they, they get no other money if it's airing, if it's streaming in India, if it's streaming in, in England, if it's streaming in Spain or something like that. You yeah, know, which so, is one of the reasons why these companies were so anxious to get on and screaming, uh, yeah. streaming, because they're like, ooh, we can make all the money and it's mm-hmm. not part of this and that. Ooh, they got right. all tingly, you know? Right. So it, it, it does, there, there are some things that need to be adjusted based on how the paradigm for the entertainment industry has shifted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Iger, of course, being a CEO is going to want to maximize profits as much as possible. I don't know that he's, you know, um, really speaking to, or I'm sure he understands it's, it's, it's a money thing, you know, more than anything else. And, uh, you know, just the, the, the comments to put it on the writers and actors as, you know, they're, they're being disruptive when they shouldn't be. I mean, what are they supposed to do? Like they're, they're not being paid a fair wage. They're, they're not yeah. being compensated fairly for when their art gets continually redistributed or replayed. So, mm-hmm. you know, Disney makes the money, you know, the other studios make the money, but it's, it's just not filtering down to the people who actually made it happen. And so, yeah, very, very tone deaf on his part and, and just, uh, you know, just just an, an unfortunate uh, set of events that where where he, he he needed to or had felt the need to say something that clearly just doesn't seem to really you know understand or seem like he understands the situation. But then again, how, how do you expect someone with all the money like he has to to really you know grasp what what you know the creative types who are struggling to make a buck doing their art you know are able to do? So I, I know I, I hear you for. For nearly, you know, that for that amount, that many millions of dollars, you better damn well figure it out. Yep, you're being paid well. Yeah, and I mean, as as we've seen, I mean, and I get like there are CEOs who do a lot of work, and there are CEOs, but there's there's so I've heard of so many people who are like CEOs of five companies. It can't be that difficult of a job if if some mofo is CEO <laughs> of this many companies. All right. <laughs> And yet you're going to tell me that it's it's worth more than like, you know, Johnny Programmer, who is mm-hmm. like working overtime or, you know, Betty, who's working in IT, like mm-hmm. holding the whole thing together with like chicken wire, string and bubble gum. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, or, or some dude who's like working in a factory or who, who's fixing your car or anything like this. You try to tell me that person is that much more important or that much more smart or if, if, if they are that they can't figure this out. It, you yeah. can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. Right. Exactly. Exactly. 100% agree. There we go. Three strikes and you're out, Bob. (laughs) Why'd you have to...
bleep with a magic bomb. I thought you were doing Paul Bear for a minute, and then I, I honed in Ooh. on the Mickey. Oh. <laughs> Gee, Mickey and Paul Bear sound a lot alike. They kind of do, which is eerie, really. Uh, well, Bob, as as Uncle Todd, well, I'll, I'll let Uncle Todd restate the title of, of this show, but uh, we have to wonder, Bob. Why did you have to fuck with the magic, Bob? Amen. And another thing. All right, what have you got for and another thing this we uh, this episode, sir? Is a, uh, mine's a little uh, uh, more on the simpler side. Uh, over the last uh, week or two, have been uh, on Spotify, it's shiny and happy, as a matter of fact. Indeed, uh, listening to uh, the band REM, uh, who was quite big uh, during our high school days and college days, and uh, and started even earlier than that. I mean, they they, hmm. they were. Um, you know, kind of making their bones throughout the eighties, um, and, and becoming a, a global phenomenon, you know, when we got into the nineties. And so, uh, yeah, just, just been listening to, I mean, not, not no album in particular, um, possibly, uh, you know, seems like we could do an album one-on-one here soon. It'd be interesting to find REM against, uh, you know, a, an album, uh, of some kind that, or a band of, of some kind of, of their ilk that, that we could hmm. uh, put them head to head with. But, um, but yeah, do, do check them out. Um, just, just love the, uh, artistry of the music. Um, have, have always loved their unique sound. Um, Michael Stipes, one of, uh, the unsung, you know, uh, I don't want to say unsung, but, but just, you know, his vocalists go, um, I know he's recognized as being a strong vocalist in, in certain circles, but, um, you know, has, has kind of fallen off the radar a little bit. And I think, you know, some of his art has, has been forgotten, but, but just a phenomenal singer with, with a great mm-hmm. band, um, and, uh, re- really enjoy their music. Not just the poppy stuff that, that we're all familiar with. Um, Uncle Todd referenced uh, Shiny Happy People, and, and there's there's a few others uh, that, that made, you know, um, big time radio, but but also, you know, more of the, the hidden gems that, that came from their early days as well. A lot, a lot of good creativity there and, uh, and, and, and just different. You know, it's not, it's not, I'm more of a hard rock, more classic rock kind of guy, but this was a nice kind of respite from that. So uh, if, if you are looking for something to try, do look up, um, uh, the REM mix on uh, Spotify uh, and, and and check that out. Put it on random and just just let it fly, and uh, you will not be disappointed. Excellent, excellent well, choice, you, sir. What is your and another thing? Apparently, uh, I wrote so a book. I'm. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> Timothy Shabon, not Shabbat. Okay, uh, thank you. Uh, so uh, this, uh, my, and another thing is the Yiddish Policeman's Union um, by uh-huh. Timothy Shabon, who is also one of the producers and writers on Picard season one. Really? Um, one of the Very kind cool. of architects of that. And uh, he he's, oh my gosh, he's written so many, uh, actually, I think he actually started out as the showrunner for Picard and then he left to then whoever took over for season two and three mm-hmm. um, because um, uh, Chabon was going to take over uh, production on a series based on one of his books was uh, the adventures of Caval- uh, Cavalier and Clay mm-hmm. which is uh, and, and he's one of these guys who he's written these books and they're they're kind of just all over the place, but he, he writes such interesting characters. Um, and the Yiddish Policeman's Union is a rather interesting book because it's a um, an alternate history novel. Mm-hmm. So in his timeline, um, essentially, if I have this right, um, many of the, the Jewish people from Europe migrated to the the city of Sitka, Alaska. Hmm. And 
in this timeline as well, after World War II, um, there is no state of Israel. So all of the Jewish people in and around Palestine also migrated to Sitka, Alaska. Hmm. And so there is this, there is this uh, large city-state that is not technically, it's part of the United States, but it's technically governed by itself. So hmm. it's this kind of weird city-state, almost like a Hong Kong situation. And in this book, the time it takes place, it's going to then revert back to being under control of the United States. So there's this thing called reversion that's going to happen. And throughout all of this, there is a policeman, um, Meyer Landsman, who is unfurling these uh, this sort of um, mystery throughout all of this. And it's, and mm. it's kind of tying into all of these different topics and themes and the different, uh, you know, the different groups within the Jewish community and all of this. And it is, it's amazing because it, it, there, there's so many Yiddish words that I've had to have my phone right next to me to be like, okay, what does this mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, know, because, and some of it you can like I kind of get because I'm like oh well that must mean cigarette you know or something, um, yeah. But it, it's it's great and it, and and Siobhan does such a great job of writing these characters that you just dig into and some of the stuff that he's so good as a writer that some of the stuff that you you might read from another author author and go that's so lame works for him like he's one of those guys almost like a wrestler who does something that is it's so over the top and cheesy but yet it like like Austin with a what sort of thing like yeah yeah just makes it work right. even though it's like you're like oh my gosh that's cheesy but um he makes some of those things work because the rest of it is so good um and the way he just unfurls a yarn is just a thing of beauty like i he is for my money one of the one of the great novelists of our time yeah uh, and and that goes for you know uh, Cavalier and Clay. Um, he did a, a kid's book called Summerland. Um, not really kids, more young adults. Uh, he, he, um, uh, Gentleman of the Road, uh, just a bunch of books. And they're all, they're all really interesting. And they're, they're just not the same. Like they're all very different where I'm like, how did all of this come from one person? You know? Yeah. Like it just doesn't seem like it ought to work, but it does. Um, just a great writer. So if you have a chance, I'm 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 actually not all the way through the book. I am two thirds of the way through, but mm. it is still uh, unless something really bad happens. And uh, and going on my previous experience with his writing, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, this is a great book, and so it's, it's a lot of fun to read, and it's a it's just a really solid read. So yeah, the Yiddish Policeman's Union. You sure they're not going to introduce a character called Luke? I'm almost positive of it. All right. Just almost checking. positive. Maybe well, ladies and gentlemen. So, oh my gosh, freaking hot chocolate. Oh. <laughs> there is a lot of discussion about pie, uh, which you'll oh. have to read the novel to understand where that all fits in. There you go. There uh, you go. And not the kind of pie that The Rock talks about. Anyways, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for bearing with us through this episode. Uh, uh, not so much bearing with because we've actually managed to keep this one kind of cozy and tight um, but thank you to all the members of the free range edc congregation who have tuned in and listened and subscribed if you have not yet joined the free range edc congregation come, come on, on in 
is well everyone is welcome here in the congregation there's no hard times that, well there is hard times because you got to listen but you know it ain't no hard times it's all good here in the hood um and if you're wondering yeah we we kind of consider our, ourselves you know we're the nice cult um and to join all you have to do is subscribe so it's it's a really low bar for entry um, so you go to freerangeedc.com. You can find all of our episodes there. You can download them individually, wholesale, all of them. If you want to subscribe through the Podbean app, you can do that there as well. If you say to yourself, I've got enough pod, uh, enough pod, I've got enough apps in my life. I don't need another one. Well, I'm sure you've got an app that we are on. So we are on Apple Podcasts. We are also on Google Podcasts. We are on whatever the hell the Amazon Alexa thing is. They've done such a piss poor job. I don't know what it's called. It's whatever that is. We're there too. Uh, we're on uh, Pandora. We're on Spotify. Any podcast provider you can think of we're probably on there go ahead and search and you'll find us we are also on the social medias you can find us on youtube we are on facebook we are on instagram all of those are at free range idiocy if you have a question thought concern or if you actually have an idea for a show because quite honestly we're gonna run out eventually um send those to tim at free range and he will get back to you pdq forth with asap um and now I'm out of breath. And I had this like little globule of spit at the back of my throat that I thought for sure was going to choke me. Good God. But I made it. Of course, mentioning it just kind of takes away the fact that I made it. But anyways, I'm going to hand this over to the less idiotic of the two idiots who run this show. And uh, not before I ask the second most important question of all time. The first, of course, being what is hip? The second being the hell did we learn this episode, sir? Uh, we have learned the following. Uh, Excellent. We have learned uh, that uh, L.A. Knight uh, is the real deal. And, uh, you know, Kevin Nash needs to watch a little more uh, professional wrestling before making comments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dummy. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Actually, that was an appropriate drop right there. Well done, sir. Uh, we have also learned uh, that uh, there is he much wisdom. Much wisdom that Shiki has left behind us. That that being one, the other being his tweet of the week. So uh, do uh, do do go back and check those out because he he is he is funny if nothing else. Make um, him humble. We've also learned a uh, little uh, trivia, a little bit new shit about BSG uh, having to watch the budgets and uh, not not do this sort of crazy storytelling across the entirety of the uh, galactic fleet. Uh, but uh, I, I, I think it's safe to say, Uncle Todd, and I feel what was done was well done uh, and the, the way it was done. So just a, <laughs> that's it. There it is. Thank you. And then uh, finally, uh, you know, this wasn't really a court of any sort, but we uh, going through Bob Iger and, and his uh, his plans, his quotes, his his thoughts. We just have to he say good. Punk. Yeah, basically. Thanks, Shaky. Uh, my goodness. <laughs> the timing of this is just beautiful. You um, are worse than all. Hopefully we don't see uh, Star Wars and Marvel content completely go away. Don't think we will. No, God, please, no. Thank you. No. But, no! Uh, you know, for goodness sakes, Bob, just, just you know, do right by these writers and, and, these, uh, and, and, and the actors, mostly the writers and the crew. Really, you know, kind of think of the little people and, and give them a little something, something, please. Just a, <laughs> that's it. There it is. There it is. So as we like to close things out, uh, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. And uh, the range is closing for the night. So as uh, we have 
as we ought to do and ought to say, uh, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I got it again. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we thank you again. Thank you for the listenership. And uh, consider the ranch closed for the evening. It's like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon. What did you say? Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Johnny Ringo, you look like somebody just walked over your grave. But it's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started the game we never got to finish. <clears throat> Play for blood, remember? You are such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. <laughs> I was just fooling about. I wasn't. Get out. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I'm afraid the strain was more than he could bear. Patrick. Patrick, all the dog poo in the box, all of it. I want you to send all that tiger. No, I don't want you to save any. What are you going to save it? What are you saving the dog poo for? You, you put it in the fridge. I put my lunch in the fridge. Oh dear, that's not very sanitary. Did you at least like bleach it afterwards? Did you put it in a container? <laughs> the hell, dude! I put an apple on that shelf, and I ate it today. I only got a little special something there. <laughs> All right. Well, I need to go get a stomach pump. Okay. Well, have fun with that. <laughs> now get the hell out of here!